All righty. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the special edition of Brownsville Tech Live. In the house tonight, we've got Miss Catalina Presas. She calls herself Katy, and she's currently running for city commissioner for District 2. Did I get that right? Yes, that is correct. All right. I just want to make sure because I made a mistake on the last one with somebody else and they corrected me on it. So I just wanted to make sure. I hope I didn't make them lose a few votes because of that, you know? Oh, so, no. <laughs> it, so happens. It, it happens. It happens. No worries. Right? It happens. I mean, I do tons of shows per week, so it's kind of hard, you know, not to make a mistake every once in a while. So hopefully I'll get forgiven eventually. But, uh, Kathy, welcome to our show. I know this is your first time. You know, there have been other candidates who have been on multiple times, but uh, this is your first time. So we appreciate you accepting my invitation to appear. I know I had done that about a month ago, and I was hoping to get you in earlier, but with everything that I've got scheduling between the politicians, uh, you know, being on the show to my tech show to covering space that's 24-7, it's kind of hard to get everybody squeezed in at the same time. So uh, for everybody else out there, we're actually broadcasting across all six major social media platforms. That includes Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So if you miss it, you can catch those uh, shows that we've had as well as this one um, as soon as those are published. So, so Kathy, welcome to the show. Um, I know that you're running for District 2. Uh, there, I know that you've served before in different capacities. Uh, I think the last thing you did was you served as a BISD board member a couple of years ago. But there's probably a lot of people that probably have come into Brownsville that may not know who you are, what you've done, where you've been. Can you give us some insight into that and also chime in with regards to what made you run? Uh, I think you run for this position twice. This is going to be your second time. So yes, uh, that's correct. you kind of got to tell us why you enjoy the pain of running. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, good evening, everybody, and thank you for the invite. It's, it's an honor. It's a pleasure to be here and to be in front of all of you who are watching or will be watching the video um, or this podcast. I, I am going to share with you who Kati Presas is, how I feel about the community itself, the knowledge that I bring. Um, it, and it, which is, it plays a big role when somebody's going to be making decisions for the city of the population that we have close to 200,000. And not only that, but the, 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 the area of Brownsville is about 150 miles radius between one place to the other um, distance wise, as we go from east to west, north to south, and we've added so much, we've annexed so much all the way to Highway 100, we're already over there by Los Fresnos. So there's a lot of things that I have become aware of and um, and through the years of the knowledge that I bring, not only as um, someone that grew up in the city of Brownsville and, and that when I was young back then, I would always you know, think about what the future of Brownsville was gonna be and how we were gonna be living. And um, and, and it's unfortunate that as, as we, you know, we see things happening or transitioning as we're all going through the stages of our lives. We kind of say, or we can feel that there's some sort of regression from the time I grew up back in the, I'm from the sixties. So um, 
you know, it's it, it's been quite of ex an experience as I'm getting to the stage of age that retirement is coming soon, right? Because I'm already on the fifth floor. But let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, born and raised in Brownsville, Texas. Graduated from the school district BISD system. I'm a BI uh, Porter graduate. Um, You're right a Porter out of graduate. Huh? You're a Porter graduate. I'm a Porter graduate. Very oh, proud. Well, you know proud. what? I'm also a Porter graduate as well. There you go. Go so Cowboys. Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, let me ask you this question. Did the football team win that. any football <laughs> games back in your back when you were in high school? Because they didn't win any well, of mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't have any winning streaks. Oh, okay. You know, so, you know, we didn't have any winning streaks back in the 80s, but we were a very tight community where I came from. Southmost was a very tight community. Um, back then when I was growing up, I think the population in Brussels was like about 60,000. Yeah. And and the only high schools that existed was um, Hannah, Pace, and Porter. Those were the only three high schools. But we all knew each other because the town was so small so um you know i graduated and right out of as soon as i graduated i was hired by the city of brownsville i started working at the brownsville police department and um leadership there was amazing from the chief of police to the the, the commander in chiefs you know the tenants commanders and sergeants so there was a chain of command and I, being that I was brought up by a military father, I was very structured. So when I started working at the police department, I knew what the chain of command was, period. You know, I grew up with, uh, you know, respecting others, um, loving your community, helping within your community when when you could and when you had the time. And um, so I started working at the Brownsville Police Department as a radio communication operator. Um, and back then we didn't have 911. So it was a multitasking, a time is of the essence, uh, every second mattered, every, you know, every, every second mattered within the department that I was working. So if we would get a call, uh, somebody got, got shot or whatever the scenario was, it was, you had to take action and, and make sure that the right people were sent out to the calls immediately. So we could be able to assist. So from there, um, I also went to college back then it was TSC. So I went to college for a year and a half, didn't get to graduate, but, you know, I worked at Brownsville PD for a total of 10 years. And then I worked at public works in the city of Brownsville and public works is it's a, a huge department that plays a big role within the community. As we all know, the infrastructure. So I became very much familiar with the accounts, the budgets, and the approvals on a year-to-year -year basis for the budgeting for the city of Brownsville in, in the department and in, the, in both departments, basically, because we always ran a tight ship as to what was approved by the city, the, the commissioners, and what the city manager was expecting. And, and back then was a different era. The high expectation was always there of everybody uh, from the leadership to the civilians, to the, you know, law enforcement and firefighters. Yeah. So I have no trouble as a, as a leader, you know, being transparent and answering to the citizens of Brownsville because I, I live like that. That is what I bring to you. I was offered an opportunity to go work for the school district. So from 
the city of Brownsville, I went to go work for the school district and I was hired as the administrative assistant for um, maintenance and facilities. Maintenance and facilities was one of the biggest departments that this that the BISD has because in that department, it consisted of purchasing the land for the future sites of the schools as we would see the growth or the expansion of the city itself. So there was a lot of planning. It was always a strategic planning of a five-year plan because we needed to be um, planning for the futures for the future growth. So I was working in maintenance and facilities and we were in charge of making sure that the schools that were supposed to be bid, we would bid out and there was a budget. And I mean, it was just amazing. So I learned when I was there, I took advantage of learning. And of course, as my father always said, you know, always make sure that you associate yourself with the smartest, brightest and most brilliant people because you learn from them. Don't fear that. Yeah. And the contrary, embrace it. Yeah. So I was, um, I'm very grateful um, to those that were my mentors and leaders that I've had throughout as a very young age from the age of 18. And I owe everything that I know to them because, and you know, I, I was always wanting to learn and I was always eager to, to want to embrace knowledge because that is amazing what you can do with it. Um, doors will open up for you. So I've been very blessed in the areas where I've been and served. And from there, you know, I started to experience, but I am a mother of three, three boys. My oldest is 31. My second one is 28 and my youngest is 23. Um, and, um, while I was working for the school district, I noticed that one of my sons was struggling in school and one of my administrators says, well, you can't do anything about it. You, you, you shouldn't go to the board meetings. So you need to just, just go with the flow and let it go. And I, and I would tell, I would share with my administrator, you know, something's not right. You know, I, I don't think the system is doing right to my child. And I wonder what's going on with other children that their parents don't even get involved. Right. I'm, my son's advocate i'm his only advocate if nobody else does it for him so i'm one of those little warriors that's always wanting to get answers to the questions and if there's not an answer let's find one yeah. and let's fix the problem that's what i bring to the table that's what that's the way i've always been that this is me it's just me so one day i go to the board meeting and i ex you know i exercise my you know my concern and I asked the board and and I mentioned to them that I felt that the system was letting my child down and what about the other children that didn't have an advocate as a parent to go in and stand before them right so then um I kind of got like a little like there was some resistance like well you shouldn't have done it and I said you know what there's a whistleblower act and I know what's going on in this system so guess what don't even go there yeah <laughs> so you know, I started to just feel that it was time for me to, you know, just try to go into uh, a leadership, you know, position program or, or just to try to see what I could do different. And I know that the, that the college has a leadership class or course, but I say, you know what, I really don't need that because I know that I'm an advocate for myself and for others. And I'm very well uh, when it comes to to speaking to people, I, I have no fear. I stand up for what I believe in. 
So at that time, I said, you know what, that year wasn't going very well for my son. So I said, you know what, I'm going to be an advocate for the education system. I know about federal funds. I know about the state funding. I know about the local funding. And I know that every department has its funding and how it works. So I became like really familiar as to the do's and don'ts and so forth. So I decided to throw my name for the the you know for to be in the school board. In 2008, I was able to get elected. I served from 2008 to 2016 as a school board member. I also was nominated um, by some of my colleagues out of uh, the East Coast and the West Coast to serve on the urban board, um, which consists of 17. Uh, board members, and a, I was appointed to be on the policy to advocate for policy uh, throughout the U.S. When it became, when it came to the education system, about what policies were working or what were not working throughout, and every state is different because every state has its own challenges. For instance, we have. Um, a lot of challenges when it comes to border issues. So some policies will not work in certain states because it's not, it doesn't pertain to the issues that we're having. So I was able to serve there on that national um, urban board and, and being part of the committee for legis for federal legislative laws that they had to implement under the education system at the federal level. So I served from 2013 to 2015 and then, well, in 2016, it was my last year to be on the school board. So I decided, okay, so I'm no longer, you know, part of the, the, the board. I need to transition and just start focusing on me, my work, my career, and which I've been blessed. I've, I've done, you know, I've done wonderful. Um, I've done really well throughout the years. And so just when I started seeing this past two, three years, just the challenges that we've had and and how an elite group has been only servicing themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't agree to that. I think that that is not good for the community as a, as a whole, because we, we have needs within the community. It's not just one particular area that needs the attention. Right. And I believe that we could have more people coming into our community into the city and offering us the opportunities that we could bring to the people within the community. I know that a lot of the times we lose companies, corporate companies that don't come in because of, for whatever reason, we're not, um, we're not giving them what they're needing. And at the same time, we're not ready or we're not prepared for, for change to, to trend or for the citizens to transition. I think there's a lack of communication. I think that there's a the, the citizens don't have the, the the extent of knowledge of what is being brought to us. Um, and I I use us because we're all in this together. Right. I believe in the we, not the I. As leaders, it's not an I, it's a we. Because when you get elected, you're supposed to be serving your community, not servicing yourself. I've been driving through the city of Brownsville for the past two years, I think three years, it started three, four years ago that I noticed the streets started to deteriorate really bad. We have infrastructure issues, the drainage, the drainage is not only because it rains it, it, too much, but it's because our systems don't get cleaned. And when it rains, of course, it, 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 the drainage system, you know, it, it's clogged up or not working. Of course, the water, any, any area that you go to, it's going to get flooded right away. Right. 
So, you know, the knowledge that I bring is not just in one area, but it's, it's a wealth of knowledge that I can, you know, I can be able to make the decisions. I use my common sense. I use my wisdom. I use the knowledge that I have of what the experience that I've been through. Um, I believe that when you're going to run a city that is <clears throat> trying to make change for the betterment of all citizens, and we have people coming in and, and bringing, opening up their businesses here, I think that we need to be able to understand what changes truly need to be made and for what reason. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to chime in on, Kathy, and, and mm -hmm. I think it's important, and I don't know how, how much you've heard about this project, but one of the projects, the upcoming projects, and I know there's been a few failed projects along the way, and I don't necessarily want to chime into those. I think enough has been said of, of what has to have been said, but there's upcoming projects that, of, that are of interest to me and are of interest to my viewers because we are, first and foremost, a tech show. And as you know, the city has taken an initiative to provide internet connectivity to what they claim to be 100% of households in Brownsville. Now, I will tell you that I have had, I come from an industry, uh, the IT industry with over 30 years of experience. And I can tell you that I've run cable and I've run all kinds of stuff through all kinds of places and I've run into obstacles. And I have serious concerns when I hear the words 100%. Now, let me flip over to another screen because I want to talk. And I've brought this subject up to all the candidates before. And I think they're kind of getting tired of me talking about it. But I feel that if I don't, and if something doesn't come to fruition, we're going to see a Tenasca 2 down the road. And that's shameful in itself. So let me, let me go ahead and flip real quick. Give me a second here. And let's see here. There we go. All right. Can you see me? I can see you. I'm sorry. You know what? Okay. Let, let me clear the, third, the, 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 the lower thirds there. So basically, uh, we're in our virtual theater. It actually was a theater at one time. We had curtains and popcorn and everything, but we got rid of it. So what we have here is the BTX Fiber Project. And what this project came about is I believe that they are using federal funds from the American Rescue Act to, in essence, connect Brownsville completely. Now, as you know, because you've been in the school district, you know, about two and a half years ago, we went through a pandemic and it was pretty horrifying. But one of the very first things that we discovered shortly after students were going to have to do virtual instruction and citizens, a lot of citizens had to work from home is we found out that a lot of our citizens did not have internet connectivity and our kids were lined up in our schools for one of these which is a hot spot and by the way these things don't even work very well they're kind of slow and they were they were also waiting for something like this a chromebook because they didn't have a simple laptop whatsoever and it was shocking to me, you know, I'm spoiled. I've had a computer since I was 12 years old, okay? So for me, it's alien, right? But I didn't realize how much of a problem that was. So when the city talks about providing fiber connectivity to every household and me working in that industry and knowing the obstacles that we sometimes run into where you can't run wire 
underground because you run into all sorts of obstacles. And knowing Brownsville the way it is, okay, I have my doubts, okay? I have my doubts that we're going to be at 100% coverage. And I've asked this question because I believe that we have focused on one single provider and we've not reached out to the other private providers because there's going to be a point where we're probably not going to cover 100%. It may be 80%. But what do we do about the 20%? And that's my issue with the whole thing. And I recently discovered I recently discovered that um, there was a phase. I kept on asking about, well, what's the plan? Who's going up first? Because I did not want me over here living a plush life in North Brownsville getting fiber first. And the folks down in Southmost aren't going to get any because I lived on Southmost. I can tell you I struggled to get internet when I lived down there. So finally, somebody published a plan. And the plan is as follows. It's broken into five phases. And the first phase is downtown. That's supposed to be completed in June. I have no problem with downtown. Okay, I understand there's city offices down there. The university is by. I understand. I have no issue with that. Okay. I was a little surprised to see that Southmost was number two. Okay. And then I can't read the, what the third one says, but I think let me let me pull up my bigger screen. You know, as one gets older, one can't see. <laughs> So, you have a screen. I can't see your screen. I can't see what you have. Okay. Well, I will. Oh, yeah. But you can see the ring, right? You can see the ring. I can see just your little ring right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll call it out. So number two is yeah. southmost, the port and coffee port. Mm -hmm. So I was really surprised about that. Then the third phase is going to be the old Port Isabel area and Hugh Emerson. The fourth phase is North Brownsville, but what caught my attention and really bothers me is the Los Fresnos area. And then fifth is all of Los Fresnos. Now, unless the city has plans to annex Los Fresnos down the road, and I'm not trying to cause insurrection over there, I do not understand why we are even concerned about Los Fresnos. I better not find out that Los Fresnos is wired before one, two, three, and four. And I hope to God that four is not wired before two. Because the people in two deserve internet or need the connectivity more than the people in four. So I was a little astonished by part of four and all of five. I do not, look, I don't mind sharing internet connectivity, but we were sold this project as being a Brownsville project. And we have been sold that it's gonna be covered 100%. And I believe that 100% is 100%. It's not 95%, it's not 90%, it's 80%. Less than 100% is a failure in my book. So do you have any idea why on earth we would even consider hooking up Los Fresnos? You know, um, 
it's 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 beyond me. It it it's not. And that, again, we go to the same issues as to why I decided to throw my name again into the ballot, you know, on the ballot, because I believe that too many of the people that have been elected, honestly, they don't ask the questions. They're not um, strong enough as to making sure that what is for Brownsville, it's supposed to be for Brownsville, that whatever projects we have, they better take place. Um, they're good at taking our money. They're good at going out there and saying this is going to get done. And at the end, it there's mediocrity. Yeah. Acceptable projects, the way they're done, or, or it, it's just like I I believe as citizens we deserve the best. We deserve to have the services that are needed, just like any other city that's that's making sure that their citizens have the needed technology. This is long overdue. When I was on the school board in 2012, we went to a conference and it was in San Diego. And I remember very clearly how, you know, companies out there were coming into the cities and making sure that they were partnering up with the education system, the districts and the city. All the, it was the, 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 corporate companies that had the availability of coming into the cities and saying, hey, uh, we can go in there and we can help you guys out and, you know, making sure that you guys have the proper wiring and we can even, you know, go out there because under the U.S. Department of um, USDA, if I'm not mistaken, there's so many programs out there for the technology if there is rural areas in a community, there's funding, there's grant money, there's so much out there. And I don't know if we, if the people that we have within the city and the district aren't really focusing on those things that need to be tapped into, you know, the opportunities that we have. When I came back from San Diego, I told my superintendent, look, these companies gave a, a presentation and it's pretty interesting because they're going into the cities and the districts and helping and assisting to where technology is being brought into their communities. And for minimum, I mean, some of them were, if, if it was a rural area, there was, there was a, 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 a no fee, but if you covered certain areas within the city limits, the fee was very minimal, also the cost. Mm -hmm. So I believe we're just not paying attention to what's out there for us. I believe that it's long overdue that we should have the technology or the fiber optics that's required in order for us to be able to have the technology and the services without having for it to fail. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the district, every time that they would do the uh, wiring for the schools, um, it, the E-rate, this district should, if it was wired properly, the way the specs are required from the FAA, a federal aviation, I guess, uh, federal communication, mm -hmm. they would, they would reimburse us as long as the contractor would uh, fill out the information of the wiring that was completed throughout the district and we would get our ref we would get our funds back right it was an e-rate and it was all due to technology yeah. and um when i was there i know that we fought very hard and and we continued to question about certain funding that was supposed to come back to the district but at the end of the day until we work together and it's the district because a district has students that live within the community right. and and we need to make sure 
that we don't have the same problem that we had that we were having during COVID times. Right. If this can prepare us, I don't know what's going to prepare us. Right. And if we have the right leaders that understand what needs to get done, we're going to stay behind, even further behind, because technology is changing on a day. I mean, I see that it's changing constantly, right. constantly. It's it's not staying with the same. I mean, the system just keeps getting better and better, quicker and quicker. It depends where you're at. How quickly can you get the service? I mean, I was not long ago, I was up in, in Colorado and I was at a place where, um, you know, there was like a bus stop yeah. and it had techn- it, I had internet there. I mean, my services were picked up from the bus station. Right. right. Well, you, would, you would tend to agree with me that it is only fair that if this project has been marketed and sold as being a Brownsville project, that before we go out and connect other communities around the area, and I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea that I'm being greedy or stingy or whatever, and I don't want to share. You know, I have no problem sharing with San Benito or Los Fresnos or Port Isabel or even the island. But this was sold as a Brownsville project. And before we go out and connect those people, we need to ensure that our citizens have the access first. It's only right, in my opinion. I totally agree with you. And but let me tell you, remember, Brownsville has annexed Brownsville annexed all the way. If you get off on the um, on that exit ramp that goes into Rancho Viejo, right, that ramp passing 511, 511 that little, yeah, you know, just further nice. up to the right. OK, that's 803. Yeah, 803 road. 803 road all that route that that circular like a like a half moon it goes all the way into highway 100 right and there's a stripes right there at the corner of 100 right all of that all of that uh-huh. is brownsville city limits you have over 3,000 acres there wow I didn't, I didn't realize that i mean i know that when i've run through there i'm afraid to take it by the los Rosas police and, and i'm letting you know, i'm letting you know because uh madeira is there you know where they, oh, yeah. they wanted to oh, do yeah. that arena. Yeah. supposed to bring in thousands of dollars and fill up the arena with all these concerts you can't even they can't even fill up the edinburgh uh, arena out there what makes you think we're going to fill ours up here and we'll get to that topic in a few minutes, you know. Uh, I, I don't you know, I mean, I keep, I keep saying like, <laughs> guys, come on, let's, but, let's have realistic plans. Let's be honest. Our leaders yeah. need to start being honest and sincere and transparent. Yeah. They need to stop feeding us all that crap yeah. that's, that's just deceiving to us. Well, I'm like, tired. I, like I told you, my, my biggest pet peeve with this chart got me. Is like I said, mm-hmm. and it just rang my bell was the olive LF part because I would be I'll be very disappointed to find out that there are still people in Brownsville not connected, and then I find out that Los Fresnos or the Los Fresnos area is there first. I think that would be very disappointing because that was not how it was sold, you know, to us, and how it's not been sold, you know. So. Well- Yeah, and And remember, because if if, if they're developing, if they're developing for them, let me tell you, out of all the current city city leadership right now that's on that commission, 
there is one commissioner out of all of them that is the most technical savvy. And I expect that commissioner to step up to the plate and ensure that Brownsville's needs are met first before anybody else's. Yeah. And if you are duly elected, I hope that you take the mantle too. Because like I said, well, Believe me, I will. I vouch for that. And you can keep the recording. Believe me, I will. <laughs> because, you know, we've been sold quite a few things that were going to happen and didn't happen. And we, but forgetting about the utility aspect of it, this project has a major impact to businesses, big and small. If they've got the internet connectivity, they can run their credit card machines the guy with the small little taqueria in and southmost can run a terminal successfully. You know, the big businesses can have reliable internet communication. Our kids will be able to communicate via the internet and God forbid we ever have another pandemic. At least they won't be standing in line waiting for one of these. So we can't fail in this project. Out of anything else, we cannot fail. And some people say, well, you know, it's federal funds. Okay, it's not taxpayer money, but it's still money that we were given. And we should be good stewards of not only our tax dollars, but any monies that are received through grants or whatever. We just can't just say, well, it was a donation and we can do whatever the hell we want with it. Excuse my language, but that's that's the way I feel. Oh, it's 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 good to vent because I feel that way sometimes. Trust me, so I know talk, the. Let's let's jump, let's let's switch topics a little bit, and I want to talk to you about downtown revitalization for a little bit. And I've got a few. I've already got a few users out there who are just eager to ask questions, but I I will bring them. I'll bring up the questions uh, when we kind of fit into the subject. But let's talk about downtown revitalization and and. And the concern that I have, and, and Mr. Umada, the former mayor, uh, which I had on about two weeks, um, brought up an interesting, oh, I'm not going to say accusation. I don't know what to call it. But let me backtrack a little bit. As you know, about a year or two ago, Elon Musk, and by the way, we're pretty blessed to have the world's richest man here in Brownsville, you know, making a presence. But one of the things that he did is he made donations to the city of Brownsville for $10 million for downtown revitalization, okay? And not only that, he also made a donation to BISD for $20 million, and we'll talk about that part later. But Mr. Umada brought up an interesting conversation during that podcast where he claims that Elon Musk Elon Musk's 10 million, that 8 million were returned. And the way Mr. Umada quote unquote said the reason why is because he, that Elon Musk noticed what he termed shenanigans. Okay. And by the way, I had Mr. Costco said he didn't know what, what shenanigans uh, I was talking about, but that was some other, that was another podcast. But anyway, but Elon Musk apparently did uh, 
held back $8 million, leaving us $2 million, okay? Now, I don't know about you, okay? But $2 million doesn't equal four murals and 20 lampposts. If it does, we were conned. So do you have any insight into whether Mr. Umada's claims are accurate? Have you heard anything about this story where Elon decided not to give the rest of the $8 million and God knows how the $2 million has been spent? Because obviously, like I said, four murals, 20 lampposts does not equal $20 million. You there? I'm here, but you know, it's, it's, yes, we, we should be, um, you know, very grateful that, um, Elon Musk is in, in, in our own town because he could have selected anybody else and he could have gone out there and, and he's brought opportunity to subcontractors, it, it, you know, companies, just families that, you know, their husbands were moving, leaving out of town to go work. And now the opportunity is here for them. And, and it's great to see, you know, fathers stay home and, 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 and be able to work here locally. I mean, he's done great things. Elon Musk has done great things, regardless of how people feel sometimes. Um, like I said, sometimes people are not ready for the change because they're kept in the dark too far, you know, out. And then they want to say, OK, now you got to know this. Now you got to accept it when it's supposed to be a transition, right? right. Um, I'm very grateful that, that he's given to the education system, which I don't know what they did with 20 million, but um, that's a lot of money that could have gone a long ways for our students, and especially for the programs of the engineering programs or anything else, anything that robotics, anything that it's got to do with him, plus other areas that they could have benefited as well. But then again, I'm no longer a board member there, so it's yeah. unfortunate. I mean, well, I, I mean, this man was, this man has been, um, give, you know, very much given to our community, and we should really be, be able to appreciate that um, he has done that. But now, do you see two million dollars of improvements in downtown. Downtown. <laughs> no. No, I don't want to laugh, but they think they they can fool people. And why do you think that's one of the reasons why I decided to run? It's just one too many things that have been going on. And these people have really, really taken advantage of, of, of Mr. Elon Musk and, and the community and the citizens. They've taken advantage of everybody. Remember, well, they get elected, they forget. Well, you know, you know? I, I always questioned, and like I said, I'm not denigrating the murals by any means, okay? I think all of them. I don't care which one you, you pick. I think they're beautiful works of art in itself. Now, you know, there's all kinds of controversy that some may not represent Brownsville more than others. I, I understand that, but that's, that's irrelevant. My problem is that if I'm given $10 million, okay, my first choice is not going to be a mural, okay? Absolutely not. Okay, my choice is going to be downtown revitalization and i'm not talking about necessarily bringing those buildings all completely up to code we could we could have used some of that money and provided a few cans of paint so that some of those shop owners could paint their front facades okay i think that's where that's where it should have gone 
Now, here's another story, uh, Tati, that I heard this week, and I don't know how true that is. B-Kick or B-Pick or whatever they're called. B-C-I-C. 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 Okay. I heard this week that B-C-I-C had granted X amount of dollars, okay, to several individuals that applied for grants downtown. And they were actively considering pulling, asking for those funds back because the people that applied for the grants didn't, haven't done anything with that money. In other words, they haven't fixed up anything. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I even heard that, that if they couldn't get the money back, they were going to file lawsuits against some of these people. And my question is, where was the vetting when it came to to some of these people applying for these grants? Now, we know that the mayor applied for a grant. We know that, right? But beyond that, we don't know anybody else who did. And the question is, what kind of vetting did we do with these individuals? I mean, if you and I go to the car dealer right now and we want to get a brand new vehicle, what's the very first thing they run on us? A credit report. A credit report. And then possibly a, a criminal background report. God knows what else they do now these days. But where was the vetting process in this? If they didn't use the money for what it was intended to be used. Ah, but here's the story. Here's the story. Here's a story. The excuse now is that, boss, it was COVID. We couldn't, the, the price of lumber went up and building materials. And by the way, it did. I understand that, you know. Uh, I understand that the money, that, that, that the price of, of construction material went up. And, but now the other excuse is, well, we didn't realize that some of those buildings were, were, were going to require elevators or escalators and bathroom bars for the handicapped and access ramps, you know, so that a person in a wheelchair wouldn't go up. Uh, as far as I know, the American Disabilities Act was was first passed in 1990, which made it law that you had to have certain yeah. things in buildings for the disabled. What made you think that you didn't need an access ramp? What made you think that you didn't need an elevator at minimum. What made you think? What did you think that people were going to go up and down the stairs? You know, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, you you're 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 in that industry. I mean, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I mean, no, because the laws of ADA is is an American with Disabilities Act. No matter where you go, you have to have that. It's a federal um, law, right? I'll tell you that I had a client that. Um, <clears throat> He bought a building downtown and he comes back to me and says, Kat, they're not giving that much money. They said that they are the most they can give me from those grants for the beautification or to rehabilitate my building is only going to be 60000 And you said that they had given some people up to 180 and 160 and 200000 I said, well, maybe it's because you need to be the mayor or maybe you need to be part of that little clique that, yeah. that is getting you know, anywhere between 160, 200,000. I said, because I know for a fact that people have been getting money for the, you know, refurbishing of their buildings. I said, um, I believe that's part of Elon Musk funding or monies that it was to rehabilitate the downtown area. And my client says, you know what, Kat? No, they're only giving me 60,000. 
and I'm not going to be able to fix anything with, with that building. He says, I'd rather go to the bank, get the loan myself, and refurbish the building myself. And now, I said, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I heard that Elon Musk had given money and, and I mean, but what is it criteria? What is it that they're asking you that you need to do or, or what, how do you qualify to get that much money? Right. And he says, I don't even want to go back to them. I don't can't, you can't do business with those people. And you ask them and they're not clear. They just give me a piece of paper and here it is. Well, they had certain criteria that I guess it was to suit the elite group that did get to put, the businesses there and open them up, yeah. you know, because not everybody was given the same opportunity. Now, let me ask you a question. Are any of those buildings should, are any of those buildings grandfathered from elevators, access ramps, having restrooms that a, that are ADA compliant and sprinkler systems? I was shocked that somebody was saying that sprinkler systems was, I mean, it is a requirement. I know this because warehouses have to have sprinkler systems, even within the racks where they hold their inventory. So are any of those grandfathered that maybe people thought that they didn't have to do that? Uh, I'm just trying to get a, an idea. You know? They're not supposed to, they're not supposed, according to my, my, my client, they're not grandfathered for anything. They have to abide by the yeah. city ordinance building you know and the building permits requirements so they can't deviate from that plus under the ada that's a federal it falls under the federal guidelines yeah and and you need to abide by that yeah you know so you you can't deviate from that so i mean it's just so sad that that you know people come to our community from out of the area and I've had people tell me, you know, why is your city this way? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What way? I, I try to play the game, you know, like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I know what they're talking about. Believe me, by the time somebody from Boston comes and buys property here and starts asking me, hey, I mean, you know, it doesn't sound good. When I went to the city of Brownsville, this is what they told me. And it sounds like corruption to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, not another one. You know, they can they can point us out right away as to the type of city that we have in our community, you know, the, 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 and then they hear the leadership and everything that goes on and they're just like, why? Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to chime on a little bit, you know, I've had a few businesses in the past, some not so successful, but bottom line is one of the things that I ran into was uh, basically um when it came to getting something like a certificate of occupancy, it almost turned into a nightmare. Okay. I can tell you that the fire marshal doesn't talk to the permitting office down at city plaza. I can tell you that going over there, they would tell me, well, you need to do this, this, and this. So I would go do this, this, and this, come back to city plaza and you know, I tell them I did this, this, and this. Oh, by the way, now you need to do this, this, and this. Now, let me tell you, one of my businesses was a tax prep business, okay? And as you know, there's only a certain time for tax preparers to make money, okay? It's between January 1st and a few weeks into February. And after that, everybody that was eager to go get their tax refund has already done it. Well... I particularly went into this area because it was high traffic, okay? It was high traffic. 
And I felt that I was going to get, you know, quite a bit of walk-ins. Well, what it turned out was that the complex was new. It was built. And when it was built, there was no plans to put a restaurant in there. But the landlord got greedy, okay, and decided, she decided she was going to rent to somebody that was going to start a restaurant, okay? And guess who the unfortunate one was right next to him? Me. So it was me and him in the entire building, Kathy, okay? Well, the city inspector shows up and says to the restaurateur that he can't open because he has a kitchen that when the building was built, the roof, the attic was from point to point. There was no firewall, okay? In between. In between, okay? And yes, that's the way it was should have been. Had there not been a restaurant, right? I think. I yes. Think, right. Well, because he had that issue and had to tear everything down to put a to put a firewall, I could not get. Well, the landlord couldn't get the okay to have people open, and in turn, I couldn't get a certificate of occupancy. End result, I ended up with only two weeks of business. Okay, but it was a nightmare because I was pushing and pushing and pushing not only the restaurateur to get their you-know-what going so that I could get my business going, but by then she had already rented half of the building out and they couldn't open either. Well, add insult to injury, okay? Add insult to injury, and we find out that we couldn't get internet access. We couldn't get it from time from Spectrum, and we could not get it from AT&T because guess what? The boxes were a block away. So what did Spectrum tell me? Well, sir, we can get that connected for you, but it's going to cost you $7,000 because we got to run a wire from over there to over here. I said, are you kidding me? You know what $7,000 does to me? Well, sir, why don't you get together with some of the other uh, renters and see if y'all will, 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 uh, will, you know, go you know, share. share, right? Well, that wasn't going to be okay. Well, because we couldn't have internet or DSL, we couldn't install alarm systems. Guess what happened next? Somebody caught wind of it and broke into all the businesses and they trashed the place up. Okay. But it was because the city couldn't get their you-know-what together because they caused all kinds of delays and tactics. Mm. I mean, just... You know, instead of telling you you need all of this and you go take care of all of this, I know it's kind of like you go over there and you feel like Charlie Brown when you're ready to getting to kicking the ball and Lucy just takes it away from you. That's how it felt. So, I mean, what's your take? Have you heard similar situations with permitting and, you know, licensing and stuff like that? Yes. Well, since I'm in the real estate business. <laughs> You know, it's on a, you know, on a month to month that we have all these challenges within the city at, uh, at the plaza downtown on Levy Street, right? Yeah. Um, it's so unfortunate. It seems like, and they've been telling us, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better and it's going to get better. But there, I don't think there really has been a, 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 a plan and, and placed into action. We were told that they were going to be there. They were going to have some sort of software 
But you know that I've had many of my clients that I've sent, uh, that I've taken myself to Westlaco, to Mission, to Edinburgh, and to McAllen to go open up a business over there for the reason that they can't get it going here in Brownsville. And it's just that they, it's a going and coming back and forth and they're wasting time, their money, time is of the essence, money, they're losing money. It's not profitable. And it, I mean, I spoke to one of my clients, it took him a year and nine months to open up a business, a year and nine months. A building that had already been a restaurant and he was just reopening it again as a restaurant. But since the building had been closed for like about two years, he had to go through the whole process all over again. Yeah. He was devastated. He, he says. Definitely that process needs to be overhauled. That Those departments down there need to be overhauled. Uh, with regards to the software, I know that a few of the other commissioners and candidates have talked about that software. But let me tell you, I had a boss that said, told me one time because I was the IT guy. You know, and I like to sell all kinds of electronic ideas. He told me, son, if you can't do it manually, what makes you think you could do it electronically any better? <laughs> it's true. You know what? He's got a point there. And you know what? When I called one day to the city of Brownsville, I said, excuse me, could I get uh Oh, no, I go to the city of Brownsville and I was uh, I was needing some information. They have all these forms there. Well, I thought, oh, might as well fill out the form. And I get to the window and she says, oh, no, ma'am, we don't take those forms anymore. And I said, OK, ma'am, then you remove all these forms. Why well, have them here? It, you're making me believe that I can fill it out and get it to you. She goes, oh, no, ma'am, you got to go online. Yeah. I said, well, please do me a favor. Remove these forms because the message to me here when I see these forms is that I can fill it out and I can hand it to you. Yeah. Now, you know, said, now, yeah, huh? yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And then I said, now, for those people that that don't understand technology very well, let's say someone from, you know, a senior citizen comes here and, and, and they don't they, they're not tech savvy. How are you going to help them? Yeah. Oh, no, they have to go online. They have to do it online. Yeah. I say you, you you're you're servicing the citizens of Brownsville. Why would you make it so difficult? Why not help somebody that can't, that's not tech savvy? Or they can ask a family member to get it done for them. Yeah. Hey, I want to Some of the attitudes. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit, because I think you mentioned that early on in the podcast about that it takes, that in order for change to occur, it's going to take a team effort. And I want to chime in a little bit about something that I think, and, and we know that there are questionable practices going on with, the city leadership at times. We know that. I mean, I think it's pretty much well-documented and so forth. But, you know, I grew up in a time, and I grew up, you know, I was born in the 70s, and I came of age in the 1980s. And I'm an unapologetic conservative. And what I mean by conservative, I don't mean a Trumpy, which I'm not by any means. I'm a Ronald Reagan conservative, okay? I grew up as a person an unap i'm an unapolog an unapologetic unapologetic globalist i believe in free markets and i know that the republican party has obviously shifted from that since the trump era but one of the things that ronald reagan talked about is personal responsibility okay and i know that we have issues with our city officials and our city government 
But I also believe that the citizens of Brownsville have got to step up to the plate as well. They've got to show a level of personal responsibility that they haven't done before. And I'm going to say it. I'm probably going to get beat up in a few minutes for saying what I'm going to say. But you're in real estate. Okay, there has and, and I know you've talked about in the other podcasts about the city and the grass on the freeway and that stuff. And I understand all that. You you kind of made it very clear that that that's their responsibility. But there's a responsibility to our citizens. Esto de avientar los colchones en el canal. Esto de avientar las hieleras en el canal. Esto de avientar cualquier murero en la resaca. Okay, and I know a few viewers don't like the idea of the six dollar fee. None of us like to be charged $6 fees for the resaca, okay? But there has to be a personal responsibility. That means if your house se le está cayendo una tabla, ponle una nueva. Maybe you can't buy the paint, okay? All the junk cars, people need to get rid of them. The only thing that collects there are ratas and tacuaches. Tati, I'm telling you right here, right a, a few houses down, I had a guy during COVID that decided that his front yard was going to be a personal salvage yard. Okay. I don't know where they came from or what they thought, but this is not Mexico. Okay. I have an HOA. I have an HOA. And the HOA, I think, took care of the issue. Okay. Pero en que mente se les mete that automatically create a salvage yard? And you see it, Kathy, you see it around the neighborhoods. So there has to be personal responsibility. Now, I know there's people that are poor. I understand that. There's people that are elderly. Pero that's not an but excuse. I was raised in Southmost. Poor is one thing, but being dirty is another. Right. There's two different things. Yeah. So, you know, and what you just said, I had an issue with someone that was coming to buy a house from Mexico. And he was a buyer that he was going to buy a $400,000 home. He says, I want a house, but I'm going to do this, this, and this. I said, sir, whoa, 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 whoa. You cannot do that here. Where are you standing, sir? And he says, well, I'm right here. I said, no, sir, you're standing in the USA ground. You come from Mexico. You cannot do whatever you want. When a developer develops, he's got restrictions. Well, then I don't need to buy here. I said, sir, if you want to put chickens, horses, and mules, and pigs, you go live out in the rural area, sir. That's where you belong. You don't belong in a neighborhood that people's properties are going to depreciate and devaluate. Right. Okay? I'm going to tell you that right now. And, and I said, and if you don't like what I'm telling you, I am sorry. I have to let you know because the only thing you're going to do is go and hinder your neighbor's properties yeah. by depreciating because what you're going to have in your property. I mean, hey, I, I, I lost that $400,000 client, but hey, I had to say what I had to say. I'm sorry. Uh, and I, I told him, you, you, you don't let him at least have one chicken. You could have had $400,000 commission. <laughs> the, the eggs are so expensive, right? It's a luxury now. He could have probably had an egg party around the neighborhood, so, right? I don't know. So what but, I'm talking about, you know, is personal responsibility. The citizens have got to, have got, I'm, have got to, it's not all about what Brownsville can do for me. It's what I can do for Brownsville. 
you know, I know that the city needs to step up and get the state to cut the lawn, cut, cut the grass on the freeway. I understand that. And by the way, it's not only just the grass. They need to replace those half of those headlamp, uh, street lamps that don't work on the freeway. Okay. Oh. But the citizens también have, an, have a responsibility. I remember cuando the city inspector would show up and put a red tag if the grass on our chain link fence was high. That doesn't happen was anymore. High. That doesn't happen anymore, you know? So it's not there. I mean, I, I get there's it. Just I, get, a lot. I mean, there's a lot and it, and it's going to take a team effort. And, and, but the thing is just because you may not have what others have, doesn't mean, like you said, that's, it's not an excuse, you know, like I'll give you another example. I'm probably the only person that was for the bag ban. Okay. The plastic bag ban. And I'll tell you what, I remember before the plastic bag ban, you would drive down 802 and you would see all the plastic bags from HEB pegadas to the, to the fences lined up. Stuck. The bag band was put in place. That went away. The bag band was removed, and we're back to the same boat again. Now, I understand people didn't like the bag band, but there was a reason why they did it, and we saw that, you know? And, and you know, it, it's just there's personal responsibility. Now, one thing I want to chime into, and I wasn't, I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I'm going to go back to it because I think there tends to be expectations and sometimes hypocrisy sometimes by some people out there. And, and I'll give you another example. You know, we're going to go back to SpaceX, okay? There is a concern. There's, there's definite concerns uh, about SpaceX and access to Boca Chica Beach. And, of course, you know, there's concerns about eventual pollution. And I'll tell you right now. I don't think you are, and I don't think I am, and I don't think the majority of people out there want a dirty beach, okay? But let me tell you that some of these people that are, excuse the word I'm going to use, bitching about SpaceX, those people, when they went to Boca Chica Beach, okay, back in the old days, ¿sabes lo que hacían? They would leave their trash. They would leave their dirty diapers, broken beer bottles, rusted out fish hooks, on occasion, a un loco se le metía que quería de, a, hacer four wheelies down on the sand, get his truck stuck, and then he didn't want to pay a towing service to pull him out. It was trashy. It was completely trashy. So, but now, all of a sudden, we've discovered this love affair for Boca Chica Beach. And look, like I said, nobody wants a dirty beach. But come on, we've got to be real about this. It was far worse before. All to have Poor students go out every six months during beach cleanup day to go, to go clean up after everybody's trash. I mean, ahí andaban los pobres estudiantes allá levantando la basura que, que los demás dejaron, you know, over months and months and months. But I understand the concerns, but it's the same thing. We've got to take personal responsibility. We've got to, you know. It's not enough to expect it from our leadership. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. That's my opinion. No, I totally agree with you. It takes a village to make a difference. It it, and, and, and if our city commissioners are not talking enough about it, and if our leader is not talking, because remember, you have your, your you have the people, and, it, and it's the people elect the leadership, right? But the leadership has to be in communication or in, in bring awareness, constant awareness. And, and emphasize this is the reason why, yeah. you know, I mean, 
there's people that don't know about the deed restrictions in the communities and the, the covenants or the developer, what the developer wants. Why is it a certain square footage with a garage, without a garage, with a carport, without a carport? They don't know. If you don't educate your community, if you don't give them the basic knowledge of how they need to keep their community and, 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 and maintain their properties, that's why sometimes, you, you know, I mean, we have what we have because we're not out there enough. We're not telling the people. People don't even know who their leaders are sometimes. Yeah. Honestly, well, let's talk a little bit about that, about leaders in general, and of course, those that serve on boards and things like that. Okay. Um, as you know, we've had a few fiascos when it comes to boards and stuff like that. And one of the things is that I believe is that there is not enough experienced people uh, on some of those boards. I personally believe that the PU board should have never been chaired by somebody who was a restaurant owner. Okay. I'm not knocking restaurant owners. Okay. I'm not. But if you are going to sit on the board of a powerful utility company, you at least should know something about energy and how it works. It shouldn't take you a year or two years or three years to learn about the board that you're sitting on, okay? It's the same thing with this fiber project, I believe. I expect people that are doing oversight on these projects to know what the hell they're doing and that they know the difference between a coax cable, a fiber cable, a, a fiber cable and a telephone wire. If they don't know that, they shouldn't be oversighting that project. And it's the same thing. The folks that sit on the airport board need to have experience of the airport. I was astonished, Kathy. I was astonished that when there was this argument going on at the airport, before the airport was built over the design of the airport, okay? And I'm telling you right now, I like the new design. I didn't want the, the, the design to look like the Alamo. I don't care what anybody says. Okay? It, it should look like, like Brownsville. No, 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 no. If we want the Alamo, we already have one 27 miles away. It's in Harlingen, and it looks like the Alamo. Okay, uh, So I'm happy with the design. But we had one board member on the airport advisory board that had the gall okay, to say that, oh, no, what we should do is we should close down the McAllen Airport and the Brownsville Airport and just have the airport in Harlingen. And I'm sitting here saying, dude, uh... Do you realize that you're sitting on the Brownsville Airport Board? How on earth are you even advocating that? Now, whether that made logistical sense or whatever is irrelevant, but you can't have people on the board that don't serve the interests of the community. You understand what I'm saying? There's got to mm -hmm. be intelligent, competent people that know the topics and the subjects that they're serving under, you know, that's not to knock their backgrounds by any means, but you're dealing with important issues. And I think personally for me, there's just not enough, uh, there's not enough of that right now. Would you agree? I totally agree with you. And, and I, and I've seen that. And, and I guess that's why we're in the situation that we're in. Unfortunately, you know, it, it, it's like, um, Let's say I had no knowledge, no clue of anything. 
any, nothing. Don't even know about budgets. Don't even know about federal funding. Don't even know about, you know, if we were to have the best grant writers, so they out there getting the most money for our, you know, area that we need in certain areas, projects or so forth. Can you imagine it takes a person almost a year or two to really know and get a hold of the, the you know, the idea of what needs to get done. Can you imagine electing leaders like that? Yeah. Electing is, people. The thing is that right now, at the current state we're in, we don't need on-the-job training. We don't. We, need we don't. The city get cannot out. afford that. That's why I keep telling people to pay close attention to the ones that are running for the, you know, for the commission, for your mayor. I mean, Brownsville has had enough damage done by the leaders that we have in place. Yeah. No more, please, no more. I was not supposed to be running for any more political positions. I was supposed to be a, a nana, take care of my grandbaby, enjoy life, and continue to work in, in the business that I own, and, and just do the best I could for me and my family. But I said, no, I can't just sit back and do nothing. Something's got to, I mean, something's got to change. And the citizens of Brownsville need to start being part of the solution. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we need to be the type of leaders that we, we are concerned, that we're compassionate, that we understand, that we have a vision, and of course, a vision with a plan that's realistic yeah. and prioritize, prioritize what we need to prioritize within our community. Yeah. You know, like you just said, this, this, this cabling, this fiber optics for the technology God forbid that we get taken for a ride again, but people need to be paying very close attention and be make and make sure that we're communicating and that we're told this is, has been spent. Okay, is how's that going? I mean, follow up. We need to be following up. Even if we become up somebody's thorn in their side, but what happens is that they let the money go or they let somebody take control and nobody follows up and nobody gets back to us and lets us know, okay, this is where we're at. We're on phase one. Okay, did somebody check it? Yeah. Let's go ahead and before my viewers start getting angry at me for not posting their comments, let's let's look at a few comments and you're you can kind of chime in on some of these topics. But one user mm -hmm. says, uh, "I strongly agree with the proposed salaries for commissioners and mayor. I strongly believe." that it will encourage more educated people to compete for the positions. Educated people with a degree need to make a living too, uh, especially if they have a family. And, and you know, I know that's a proposal on the ballot, you know, the May 6th ballot. And I know that, you know, I've watched you in a few pod podcasts and I know that you're not in favor of, of the salary because I think you've mentioned you believe that it's a, that it should be more of a service. But, you know, I can also see the other side, too. You know, I feel that a lot of times the reason why we get the so-called elites to run is because they can afford to not work. <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Kathy. The city, the reason why I don't work for the city and the reason why I don't work for the county is because they can't afford me. They can't afford to pay me what I'm worth. Okay, I make too much money. They couldn't even they couldn't even offer me anything because I wouldn't accept it. Okay, so I personally would not work in government. Okay, and I personally would not run for a position that didn't pay me. You know, 
that's just me. Some people are different, right? So there is this argument, and it was brought up by one or two commissioners, que pues, only the rich run right now, okay? And that if the positions are paid, that that will open up the opportunity for others that would not be able to leave their job actually run. Now, as you know, there's only been one situation that I know of where, and it wasn't a city commission, it was a county commission. Uh, one of the uh, current commissioners on the county commission, her husband was the commissioner and he died. And the way I've heard the story, I don't know how true it is, was that uh, she was pretty much left with no income. So she was encouraged to fill in the seat and then she's won on her own several times. So we've had a situation like that where they're, appeared to be somebody that probably does need a salary, so to speak, right? But mm -hmm. to me, you know, it's not just salary. You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not about the salary. I mean, there's different things that you could do to kind of, you know, uh, make it a little easier to attend those meetings. For example, $10 a meeting, I, that's kind of like, maybe bump it up a couple of dollars here and there. Maybe a cell phone allowance. I don't know. I mean, there's something that could be done. But, I mean, I know your position, and I, I know what you stated. I mean, what do you what do you say to those that argue, boss, you know, only the rich are allowed to run? I mean, what's, what's your take on that? Well, I've never been rich, and I've served my district with a lot of love and passion. So... <laughs> You know, it was all about the students. It was all about the teachers and, and, and the community. Um, you know, I decided to step up to the plate because as a taxpayer, as, as somebody that sees the city the way it's going, you know, it's not about the salary. You know, um, you know, it's like those military men and women, they don't get paid a lot, but they have the love and passion for their country and they want to serve wholeheartedly, you know, and they want to make sure that they, they you know, they represent one of the greatest you know well the greatest country in the world right? right so when you look at that you know you have these men and women that are brave enough to go out and face the unseen and yet we as citizens can't step up to the plate and do what's best and what's right for as a public service as a public servant you know um i've always been one to help and assist it, you know without asking for anything in return that is not me i do it i do it because i love to help and assist others that that is just me and a lot of the people that know me for a long time they know that that's who i am and that's what i am that's what i bring to the table now the decision is going to be up to the citizens if they want for commissioners we're, we're going to be the only commissioners the only elected officials in the city in a city in the rio grande valley that i know of that would be getting paid a salary so it's up to the citizens. That's why they want the citizens to vote it up or down. Yeah. If we can barely afford if, let me tell you, if the citizens, the civilians, if the civilians of the city that are working and the police officers and the firefighters are losing benefits mm -hmm. because there's no money, mm -hmm. what makes you think that there's money for elected officials to, to get paid? Do you know why? Yeah. Do you know what the average salary is right now for a police officer in the city? Do you know? Was it the last time I heard was what, 42, 43, something like that? Or is it less? Or is it lower? I don't know. I, I was just wondering, you know, with regard. I think that the last time I heard, the last 
the last salary that I remember, I recall, was I think it was like 43, 43,000. Now, let me ask you this question. I don't want to go down conspiracy lane, but I've got to ask it because I've kept on asking and everybody just looks at me with like, you're crazy. But let me throw this at you. It's it's a fact that the charter amendments that are on the ballot right now are going to do diddly squat to make any changes at PUB. Okay. The PUB board consists of seven seven voting members i think seven voting members yeah i don't Mm -hmm. know if the mayor votes or he doesn't or whatever or he just sits there you know keeping the seat warm but bottom line it's the seven members one of the charter amendments and i don't know which one it is says that they're they're going to give the city commission the ability to remove three board members in a given year okay now you and i can add and subtract and Let's hypothetically say that se les hincha un año and they want to get rid of three board members, okay? That isn't going to change the makeup of, of the voting pattern of the board by any means because you still have four others that may be in the majority. same... That majority. The, yeah, that may be in the same clica. So mm-hmm. what, what power do you have? We also found out from my good friend, Mr. Cascos, when I had him on two weeks ago, was that the other thing is that the city commission has absolutely no power. No power, no power, no power. So if you don't hold the power of the purse to PUB, what changes can you make? Okay. And there's probably a a few other charter amendments as well that, but overall, I don't believe any of them will do anything to change the makeup or the way PUB is managed and run. So my question to you is, do you think that maybe the salary amendment was put in as a poison pill, knowing fully fully well that the electorate would not vote for it, but as a result of being so angry over these commissioners and mayor being paid, that it would automatically throw all the other ballots, all the other amendments, to a no vote so that in the end there would be absolutely no change whatsoever. Everything would remain as is and it'd be hunky-dory from here till God knows when. Because that's the way I see it. I see the salary as a poison pill in the batch of amendments to get people pissed off so that they vote no across the board and nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Well, that's that's one that I think that will trigger that that salary for the commission. That's one that will trigger a, a automatic no, no, no for people. You know how people just you know they see something like that, it it, it upsets them, and then they just whatever okay. they that's what's going to happen. Look, I'll be honest with you. When I go to vote, a lot of times when I get down to those amendments or some of those judges from upstate that I have no idea who they are, I'll be honest with you. If I like the guy's name and I don't really know him, eh, okay, here you go. Or I don't vote for him at all. I'm being honest because I don't know them. And then if they throw some amendment that is has some language that I can't understand, and I'm a pretty smart guy, I think, you know, but there's some stuff in there that is confusing. I sometimes will vote for it. So imagine this. The very first proposition, the very first thing on the ballot is the salary. Pues se van a enojar. And then the rest of them is no, 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 without reading anything. 
That's what I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. And and, and it, it makes sense. You know, you it make what you're saying makes sense because remember, people are gonna select to to give us a salary or not. So if they say no and then they PUB items are right below, or you know. I don't know which one's going to come first. I haven't seen it, but can you imagine once they say no, that that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I and, foresee that happening. And by the um, way, that salary was the last thing put in at the very last minute. Last minute. Okay. At the last minute. It so, came after the charter, the, the, you know, modifications that they wanted for the charter. Right. So, you know, people right now, I'm going to tell you, people are upset right now. They, they, they're they just disgusted with yeah. current leaders. I mean, they don't, even the police officers, we were at a police forum and it was very heartbreaking just to hear how they felt about the current commission and some of them even coming back to run again and then how they just. Hey, I lost, I lost your voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let the police officers are upset at as at everything that's been going on, how the how some of the current commissioners are running for for these other seats when they have lost benefits. And then they the, the, even the police officers are disgusted. They, they just don't even believe anybody anymore. And that's the same feeling I get from the citizens. And for us to be able to regain their trust, the citizens trust. And everybody's trust, even though we're new, right, that we can make a decision for them and, and based on what, how we need to make those decisions, right, to benefit, to benefit the community as a whole, right? Because it's not about us. It's not about an I. It's about we together. And that's, that's what needs to start happening. You know, it's like, like, you know, it's a you do, I do, we do together. That's what needs to happen. And, um, you know, that PUB, we lost control of PUB a long time ago. PUB, I've always told people, PUB became this huge corporate, co this company, right? Yeah, it was and the 900-pound gorilla. Huh? It's the 900-pound gorilla. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And no one could, when they started putting all those things in the charter and the wordings and, and whatever attorney did and managed to manipulate it and change it, we lost control of it because honestly, PUB literally belonged to the city of Brownsville, yeah. to the citizens. Yeah. They used to hire the city. They used to go through the hiring process when it was on Elizabeth Street, like on 7th and Elizabeth, right there where the Wells Fargo Bank is. That's where they had their office. Oh, I remember that all, place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, a very, I mean, it was a very, it was a different feeling even when you used to go to that office. And now they have this Taj Mahal right next to the other building that can resist a Hurricane 5 category, you know, cost us I don't know how many millions. <clears throat> but well, at know, the same I, time. I didn't even, honestly, and, you know, I'm around in a lot of places around town, but I didn't even know they were building a building. I was in shock when I saw it. <laughs> when you saw it? When no, I saw my it. Mom yeah. My mom almost fainted. She's 88 years old. She says, what's that building there behind the school? I said, mom, that's the PUB. What? When did they? But you see, it's because people don't know. And I'm telling you, there's there's a lack of miscommunicating. and There's no, not enough communication within the community 
when things are getting done or when something's coming into the city. And I think that people will embrace things if we communicate with them, if we're transparent and we're straightforward and we let them know this is what's coming up. This is what we're bringing here to you. They want to do everything at the last minute. Look at the arena, the arena. They were trying to push it at the last minute. Well, you know, let me ask you a little bit about that, you know, uh, with regards to the arena, but not so much just the arena, but some of the things that some of the past projects that, you know, we've been, uh, I'm not going to use the word suckered into, but that we've been encouraged to support. And uh, you mentioned it on somebody else's podcast uh, about the Jacob Brown uh, Auditorium, you know. I personally believe that the transition from the Jacob Brown to the event center was inadequate. We settled for a smaller building. Okay. You cannot, you can barely fit a good size wedding or quinceanera in that building. And it is just not convention center material. So for all the money that we spent, we didn't get much of a building. That's one project, okay? The other project when Mr. Atkinson was cheerleading it was basically the Brownsville Event Center, okay? I mean, the sports park, excuse me. Sports park, sports park. The sports park. And the only big thing that any that has gone down there is COVID, uh, COVID testing and COVID vaccination. Uh, uh, vaccination. Vaccination and testing. But beyond that, it pretty much sits there, you know, um, pretty much unused. And I'm not exactly sure why, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I know that to bring big acts and big concerts, you almost have to have like a marketing company, you know, to do that. Uh, I don't know if any efforts have been made by the city to at least try to get acts to come in, you know, to kind of recoup some of the money. You know, because obviously it's a big stretch of land out there, you know, and it's just sitting out there and it would make sense for us to recoup, you know, some of that money. But keep in mind that most of these convention centers don't make money. I mean, the one in Harlingen isn't making any money. I think the McAllen one barely broke even a few years ago. And that was before they paid those millions to Enrique Iglesias. You know, that was a fiasco. That was their fiasco, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But they typically don't make money. We know that those venues don't make money. You know, they don't make money. But we were already sold the car, you know, and it's just sitting out there. And we need to do something, get some kind of entertainment marketing firm to bring those bring acts down because, you know, it's got enough room to sport a concert, you know. Um. I mean, what's your take on, on that? I mean, the event center is a joke. The sports park is under I mean, what's your take? You know that it's it's um it's so unfortunate. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it's so unfortunate that it's become that. Um, we really need we really need a um a better marketing for for our. And the areas that are in need of bringing in um, all these opportunities that we could, well, I shouldn't call it an opportunity. It's just that the sportsplex just hasn't been doing, I mean, anything. I mean, we were supposed to be utilized for 
different projects or, you know, and, and it's just not, I, I, I sincerely believe that if it would have been, if we had good um, marketing, because that's what it takes. If you market something and you reach out to population of what events, I mean, we're supposed to have concerts. I think at one point they said, oh, we can have concerts. Oh, no, we're going to have all these soccer tournaments there, or we're going to have these, these sports going on there. But in reality, nothing really has been going on, you know, I mean, that I, that, that could be consistent. There's no consistency at the sportsplex. And then uh, the event center, they say that it's too expensive, but then you have all these other places that are leasing. You have that event, that, that um, place right next to the event center. They're booked. They're yeah, booked the almost a year in advance. Yeah. And by the way, the starting price there at the Venetia is $12,000. And, and so, so, and it's always booked. Yeah. Is it the service that they're providing? Is it a package? And what's, yeah, yeah. you know, cause I'm going to tell you the civic center was always booked two years in advance. Yeah. 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 And it was always, and it, it's a beautiful place, you know, an auditor, you know, it's got an auditorium look. It's not very, it, it, I mean, very, uh, uh, uh you know, just the, the the seats up in the second up there in the it's such a beautiful building. It really is. Yeah. You know, the area on the outside, people would go out and 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 just talk, and then come back into the to the place into the building. I mean, it's I mean, like you said, it, we got you know we we let go of something that was so good for the city and that was well, bringing well, in. Revenue. My thing is is if let's just hypothetically say that at the time that those decisions were made, the, the, uh, the Jacob Brown was not big enough. Okay, fine. If you're proposing to build something new, but we didn't get a bigger building. We got a smaller building. It's smaller, much smaller, much smaller. Much smaller. I mean, the, the parking space, don't get me wrong. The parking space is a lot, quite a bit. I mean, you can park a lot of vehicles there, yeah. but the, it, the inside, yeah, it, you, we we got we got taken for a ride again, yeah, again. How many times have we been taken for a ride yeah. as citizens? Yeah, and that we don't value. We don't. It, it, it's. I think it's it's unfortunate that these leaders don't value what we have at times, and they just give it away. Yeah. They just. It's okay. Yeah. Well, you know that's something that obviously you know. Hopefully, you know if. If you know you've you've got the opportunity to serve once again, it's something that you know we need to revisit: is how to deal with the lemons we've been given and how we can make lemonade. You know, because exactly, you know, that's a true saying. That's I mean, that's we're true. Just, we're just sitting with property that's not making any money for us, and quite honestly, the properties that we have that aren't making money, we should get rid of them hypothetically the golf center should be one that should be we should be out of the golf business the tennis center that nobody uses right next to the event center that needs to be bulldozed down you know uh, there's just some things that i don't think we should have gotten into to begin with you know um and like i said it's you know there comes a point in time where dollars and cents start adding up and you know, for something that doesn't work and hasn't worked, it needs to be done away with or given to private industry to, to manage and handle better. There's nothing wrong with giving private
private industry a shot. I mean, look at what we've got happening 20 miles away here at Boca Chica. That is a private company doing what the government failed to do. What people don't realize is that the United States, back when they retired the shuttle, made a huge mistake. We went and hired the Russians to ferry our astronauts and our cargo to the International Space Station, and we paid them millions of dollars per year to do that. All for Vladimir Putin to take that money and build up his military and repoint his nuclear weapons back to us. The federal government literally gave Vladimir Putin money to upgrade their military so they can point nuclear weapons back to us and invade countries he shouldn't be he shouldn't be invading. And now y hasta years later se les prendió el foco and they decided, well let's let the private Let's have private industry do it. We'll have a commercial crew program. And guess what? SpaceX is launching rockets every other week to the space station or anywhere else, and they do it cheaper. They do it cheaper than the government could ever do. So there's things that I believe, especially here in the city, we need to revisit and look and say, you know what? This ain't working. It's time to hand it to somebody, even if it's a private industry, to handle it and manage it better. You know, that's what I think, you know. And, and you're right, because if we're spending, if we're pumping in, let's say 700,000 to the airport, right? Because they were losing money. And we're pumping in another 500,000 over here in the golf course, in the Brownsville Country Club golf course. And then we're pumping another 500,000, 600,000 at sports plates. Yeah. You know? And then the event center, we're pumping in another 400, 500. Can you imagine when that is supposed to be going to the departments in dire need? Right. That do make a difference in our community. Something's not right. Yeah. So I keep asking myself, why? Why aren't they paying attention? Yeah. You know? Well, well, I mean, yeah. it doesn't take a genius. It takes people with common sense, people that understand business, people that that is willing to roll up their sleeves and be creative, innovative, think out of the box. Right. You know, what do you see? Look, I went to Mexico City, uh -huh. and in the airport, they had marketing, several sites. Well, uh, visit McAllen. Right. Visit San Antonio. I, when I said visit McAllen, where's Brownsville? I walked all over the airport there in Mexico City and no. So nobody really pays attention. Yeah. Nobody knows or, or they just don't care or do they have an I don't care attitude yeah. or it's okay. Let's just do it just locally. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, it's just, you know, we could be working so closely with, with the, the city of South Pider Island. What can we do together, guys? What do you have going on? What event? Send us the people over here. How about when we have events, we'll send them over here and vice versa. Start engaging and connecting with your surrounding cities so everybody can help each other and start uniting. Look at Mission. Mission is almost on top of McAllen. McAllen is almost on top of Edinburgh. Edinburgh is almost on top of Bar in San Juan. And you name it. Yeah. Those well, guys know, have it together. Well, you know, well... I'm kind of wondering whether that or they have better crooks that know how to hide things. But anyway, let's, <laughs> well, let's, talk, a, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because 
you know, one of the things that you've heard, porque hay rateros en cada, en cada lugar, pero... Everywhere, we have them all over. They're, they're just some, hey, there are just some that are smarter that are able to hide things better. But anyway, hey. uh, let's, let's talk... Uh? We're, always, we're always in the news if it's not the district it's the city if it's not the city it's right oh my well let's talk about you know it's kind of funny in a way because you know i know that that you know you've mentioned it a few times and uh you know where brownsville's been labeled the poorest city in the country now i have questioned that and i'll i'll tell you what because i've been a few places out in the south that are really damn dirt poor i'm talking Really dirt poor. No tienen ni ratas. Okay, I'm telling you. So I think we're a little better off than some of those cities. And I question some of these northerners when they write those articles. Okay, because I think most of them are on either recovering from LSD or CBDT or they're pot smoking or whatever. But so I don't trust what they say. But let me tell you something that's a fact. Okay, it is a fact that some people in Hidalgo County have said this. They said that if we had the resources that Cameron County has, and what I mean by resources is four international bridges, two major airports, a big port, okay, a thriving aerospace industry. Imagine if we had those resources because you have land. We don't. McAllen has is landlocked. Their, their Economic Development Council is telling now businesses go somewhere else in the valley is because we have no land. No land. Okay. It is a fact that if you measure the unemployment rate of Brownsville versus McAllen, Brownsville's unemployment rate is actually lower than McAllen. Their retail, the only reason why they have retail is because a lot of their shoppers come from Monterrey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every every time you go to La Plaza, it's one or the one after another. It's a Mexican license plate. Nothing wrong with that. I love them to come over. I love them to spend their money. I have no issue. But the reality of it is, is that they have a higher unemployment, meaning that they really have more people than Brownsville does on a per capita income. But they don't have the resources that we do. We should be thriving, right? With all our resources that we have and all the land that we have, my God, we should be thriving. We should be beating everybody else Ooh. in the valley. We would be at another level. At another level, we would be. Right. You know, it's just that we're we're falling asleep. We're like they say, the sleeping giant. You know, and it's yeah. just we have so much to offer. We really do. We we yeah. we. And people that coming from out of town, honestly, they see that. Yeah. From the East Coast and the West Coast, they say, wow, you have a port, you have an island, you have a beach, you have the weather, you have, and it's like, it's the people that either have the positions as administrators, yeah. that they're just collecting a paycheck, yeah. and don't have that eagerness, or they're not excited, or they just not, they don't have the vision. I'm telling you, without a vision, we're not going to go anywhere. Well, let's talk a little bit because I know we're we're actually going to two hours. You're going to beat Padumada for the record now. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. You're, you're, you're going to keep me up till midnight. How about you bring me back and we go another session? Well, we, we probably could, right? We probably could. Yeah, no, we can go another session. Well, let's talk a little bit about accessibility. And I'll be honest with you. I invited the mayor, the current mayor, to come on this show three times. And three times he refused to come on. 
Okay. I have no idea why. Maybe the, our schedules just didn't mix. Maybe he didn't. He thought that I was going to ask him some unpleasant questions, which I wasn't. Because if you measure all the podcasters, I'm the nicest podcaster out of all of them. If you want to <laughs> come on and get a fair shake, you can come on to mine. You go to some of the others, God help you, right? But, uh, you know, I think I'm a pretty nice guy, so I don't know why he refused to come on. But the only reason why I wanted him on was to talk about the Fiber Project. And I wasn't going to get into the kind of stuff that I know now and ask the kind of questions that I did today, you know, because I didn't know a whole lot about the project. But he refused to come on. You know, and my problem with that is that it's about accessibility. It seems like you have an attitude that you don't feel you should be accountable or responsible to the citizens that you serve. Can you tell the audience tonight that Gati Presas is not going to be like some of those individuals that don't want to be accessible, that don't want to ask the questions, even when they're unpleasant? You know, we can't have people thinking that they live on a different level, on a different income level, and thus they don't have to answer to anybody. Because there does appear to be this, I'm not going to say anger, but but this notion from a lot of people out there is that they don't get it paid attention to. It's all about the elite. It's all about the clica. And when you don't, when you don't, when you refuse to come on the show, and I don't, it doesn't have to be my show. It can be anybody's show. When you refuse to do so, what does that tell you about whether you care about your community or not? You know, I mean, can you tell me that Gati Presas will be the complete opposite of what some of our elected officials have been in the past? You know what? I am nothing like like him or the clique or the elite. I am very humble. I would be a, a humble public servant like I've always been. Um, I have an open door policy. You can call me, you can, you know, you can visit with me. We can have a cup of coffee. We can talk about the issues. If anything, I'm going to tell you this. We need leaders that truly understand the purpose of public service and how we're supposed to be servicing the people. And the, all citizens, not just an elite group. I am so sick and tired of that. I feel disgusted with everything that has been happening. I believe that our mayor, and I can tell you, I'll say it publicly because I've said it many times. He, he forgot who placed him in that seat. Mm -hmm. He had so much support from people that I know for a fact are disgusted and disappointed that they even voted for him. I've heard it time and time and, and they're not happy with what he has done, how he has done things, how he has served himself. That's all we hear. The, the, the people that, that elected him, they say, we made a big mistake. I made a big mistake. This guy fooled me. Yeah. And let me tell you that, Hey, he, he, he's, I don't think you know, I don't think he can even answer any of the questions yeah. because he's already in his way out. He could care less. Yeah. I can tell you that much. Yeah. 
I think he he had a plan. Hey, I'm going to do this. I got very few short time left. We got to go in. Of course, COVID hit. We were all on, you know, it, it, it was a, a set back there. But as soon as everything started moving, they moved very quickly. Right. We started seeing it. Yeah. I mean, come on. And for those of us that know and understand what's going on and that we could clearly put two and two together, they can't fool us. The problem is that they feel that they're powerful, that they're they're above the law, and that they can do and undo because they're already elected. Right. So be very careful, people, because let me tell you, uh, with me, what you see is what you get. Kati will always be Kati, you know. Um, and and I I respect everybody as long as and there's got to be like that golden rule: respect me, and I'll respect you. Yeah. And, it, and, and, you know, and, and it, unfortunately, this city has been disrespected. And I say the citizens of Brownsville have been disrespected. And I ask myself, how much are you worth as a citizen? I value myself as a citizen. Right. I right. work hard. I contribute to, to, to the community, to society in a good way. Yeah. I, just like you do, Mr. Daniel, you work hard. You make a living. And, and you know what? You don't depend on anybody. I don't depend on anybody. I don't depend on the government. And, and I think people need to understand if we all put our efforts together and we move in the right direction, Brownsville could be an amazing city. Amazing. Yeah. This word, we're the poorest, wouldn't it be coming out of anybody's mouth? Yeah. It you shouldn't know, be. And, and, you know, and that's one of the things. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be coming out of anybody's mouth. And it shouldn't we need to do something about changing that wording and we need to do something, but it starts with the citizens. It starts about more than 6% going out to vote on May 6th. The reason why the people that get elected don't do anything is because they see that only 6% and I'm going to use a word, forgive me, give a shit and the rest of, and the rest of them don't. It's sad that 6% of the electorate in this city is who voted in the last election. That meant that 94% stayed home to do God knows what, you know? And, and, and so that's, that's where the problem lies. At the end of the day, we get what we pay for. We reap what we sow because we don't make an effort to go out there. Does that mean that everybody that gets elected is going to do the right thing? No, of course not. We're going to have somebody, you know, sway from here and there. But this idea that 6% of this city votes is a travesty in itself. And maybe it's because they see everything that's happened. Fine. I understand that that tendency to say, ah, pues no voy a votar porque todos son iguales. But that's not true. Mm. That's not true. But things can't change if you don't go out there to vote. You know, it's always going to be like that. You know, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that we have such low voter turnout. And by the way, it's just not Brownsville. It's the entire valley. It's the state. And it's even the country. If you to look at the entire population of the country, the majority of the country doesn't even vote. But they're bitching the day after election that somebody won the popular vote and the electoral college is is bad but you know the argument about the electoral college is the people against the electoral college the day after the election are typically the losers 
whether they're Democrats or Republicans. You know, if the Republican wins, I stand those Democrats saying, okay, no, okay, it's the Electoral College, we need to change it, this and that, whatever. And when the and when the Democrats win and the Republicans lose, I stand those Republicans. También diciendo la misma cosa. You know, at the end of the day, it's like a, the Electoral College was put into place by George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson, and who knows, God knows who else was involved in that decision. But that they made that decision. This wasn't us, you know, in the 21st century. But it's what I'm saying, you know, here locally. It's shame on us if we get the people that we get into office and they don't do the right thing. And it is because 6% only voted. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I, I ask people sometimes, well, did you vote? Then keep your mouth shut. You have no voice. Zip it. Yeah. Zip it. Wait. Yeah. If you want to be heard, you and, and let me tell you, I had a, a man once when I was on the school board, he didn't like the way I voted. And I said, sir, by all means, I would like to have breakfast with you. Why don't you come and meet me at Torito? I met him there. I got the phone and I called the election office and I gave the name and date of birth. I said, sir, what's your name? And I called and he says, what are you doing? I'm calling the election office. What's your date of birth? I said, sir, you didn't even vote. I just got elected in 2008. You didn't even vote. Your last election that you voted was in 2002, sir. He looked at me like you did not do that. I said, yes, I did, sir. Yeah. And you know what? And I can become friends. Let me tell you, he's one of my biggest supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Because I proved to him that I am somebody that's going to step up to the plate and I'm going to own it. Right. I will own it. Yeah. But let me tell you, don't you come telling me if you didn't vote. Yeah. I mean, look, we don't have to agree on everything. There's things that I agree with. There's things I don't agree with. There's things that you may agree with me on, some that you probably won't. But that's what democracy is all about. You know, at the end of the day, that's that's why we have a democracy in this country. But, you know, it is important for the citizens out there, especially the local citizens, to get out to vote. And they have to do it because you can't complain if you didn't go out there to vote. And, and, be, and beyond, and it's just not about voting. Voting is the first step in this process. Then you have to become active and ask the hard questions that need to be asked and be involved in those city commission meetings and those county commission meetings and in those board meetings and stuff like that so that there's no funny business that ends up getting put into place because humans are humans. They're greedy by nature, you know? So... I think, like I said, as I talked about early in the podcast, and we're kind of going to wrap it up here, I apologize, is that there has to be personal responsibility. We already know that we have issues with the city leadership, but the city leadership in itself is not the only problem. It is every citizen's responsibility to go out and vote. It's everybody's responsibility to become active and be an active participant in this process. So. That is correct. Yeah. So, Kathy, I know you want to come back. I mean, we could talk on forever. <laughs> we could talk forever, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, what, yes. Did, uh, what would you like to say to our viewers in wrapping up why they should vote for you? Also mention when early voting starts and when the election is so they've got an opportunity. If you want to mention, mention to them where on the ballot you're at so they can zero in on you. You know, you're more than welcome to do that as well. I haven't asked anybody, all the other candidates, I forgot to ask that question in fairness to them. But, you know, obviously. Uh, yeah. you know, that, uh, 
<laughs> Let me tell you, I didn't touch. I didn't touch the issue that one of the candidates that's running for district two, she serves on the BIC, BCIC. <laughs> We're getting the BCIC yeah. that gives money to the people downtown. Right. Okay. And she should have stepped down, and she didn't. Yeah. I was part of the legislative committee for the Brownsville Board of Realtors. I was the chair. But because we were going to have to have forums and endorse somebody, even before the president of the Brownsville Board of Realtors asked me, I sent an email and I told him it will be a conflict of interest since I have signed up to be part of the city uh, district to candidates. Yeah. I am resigning from my seat because that is the right thing to do. Right. And guess what? The president told me, gosh, Kat, you really have, you're really on top of things. I said, because it's the right thing to do. How was I going to be the, in the legislative chair representing the Board of Realtors? And then here I am doing a, a forum. And then if they endorse me, how how unfair would have that been? Right. How bad would have that looked? Right. You know, the right thing for one of the candidates that's running for District 2, which is Ms. Macias, she should have stepped down from that BCIC because that's part of the charter. It says that they can't run for any city commission seat if they are sitting in one of those committees. Okay. Well, that's, but, one of the, that's, that's one of my interviewees this week. So we'll, we'll try to see where that we'll try. Okay. So let me, let, you asked me to wrap it up, right? Yeah. Okay. Just, just for tonight. Just for tonight. Just for tonight. Okay. So, well, I bring to you uh, a true voice. I will yeah. be a voice. I bring lots of experience with me. Um, you know, I know the community very, very well. Trust, trust me that I know the city of Brownsville very well. Um, in my job, I have to travel all over town. The decisions that I make will not only be for district two, it'll be for all the city of Brownsville because whatever decisions I make will affect the citizens of Brownsville. So trust in me that I will make the best decision for the betterment of the community. Uh, early voting begins. On April 24th, it's right around the corner, guys. April 24th through May 2nd is early voting. And the day of the election is May 6th. Um, as a former employee for the city of Brownsville, I understand the system well enough to where I can question the issues. Um, trust me, I, I have a brother that says, please, no more. Don't say any more. Just I, I, I know that you want the answers, but I'll get back to you when I can, because I can be a thorn on somebody's side because I, I just expect for things to get done. Yeah. You know, I am a doer myself. I have, I always set my goals on a yearly basis. I've been very fortunate, very blessed to accomplish my goals. And uh, I believe in working as a team, as long as it is the best thing and that's done for the citizens and the entire community as a whole. So don't forget, I am on the ballot for District 2. I am this, I am on the middle. I'm number two. So don't forget to vote for Kathy Perez-Garcia. I truly believe that I am the one with the most experience. Well, Kathy, it was a pleasure to have you on tonight. Uh, we definitely went two hours, which we were hoping we'd kind of keep <laughs> under, but that's all right. I told you there's a lot of there's a lot to talk about, and obviously you're more than welcome to come back again. You know I'm under a lot of pressure from my audience to get the politicos out of the way because they want to see the other shows. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so you know, sorry. No, 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 it's all right. It's all right. It's, it's not a problem, you know, but, you know, they're, they're kind of me wanting to talk about other things. And like I said, I tell them, you know, it's it's like I think I got four more to go, and then I'm done. I'm done. We'll go back to regular programming again. 
So, uh, but you're definitely welcome at any time back. We wish you the best of luck and, you know, in your future, you know, whether you, you know, you uh, get elected or in whatever future endeavor. Um, like I said, we're, we're not just a tech show. We don't just cover politics. We cover all kinds of topics. So I know that I've invited Mr. Grove uh, over for a few real estate topics. So if you want to come over after this is all over done and talk real estate, hey, we can do that too. Yes. Not a problem, you know. Of course. Yeah, we got Bring a lot awareness of to the community. Yeah, Bring we've awareness. Got a, yeah, we've got a lot of people that don't know, you know, what they're eligible for when it comes to buying a home and things like that. And so, you know, you're more than welcome also to come back for something like that. You know, I'm pretty sure you'll be relieved after this is over all over win or lose so you know yes know. yes At and least, definitely i'd like to once i once i get elected i'd like to use you as a form also to communicate and engage with the community and give updates and and reach public out there i think that the more we we connect with you know all these you know like you and other people that are out there i think that's the best form of reaching out and community you know communicating to the public absolutely i really do Absolutely. So. Like I tell, I tell all the candidates, I said, you got two choices. I said, you can either call channel four and get a 10 second interview, or you can come on my show and you can spend two hours talking about whatever you want. And I'm going to be nice. You don't have to worry about me beating you up because that's probably not going to happen. So I said, you either have channel four that'll give you 10 seconds and the Brownsville Herald will never show anything about you. Or you can come on my show and I'll give you all the time you want. So, you know. There you go. Yeah. No, Brownsville people have lost faith in them. They, uh, yeah. I feel that. Like you know what? Just... I was going to talk about that. But when you come back, we'll talk about the Brownsville Herald. I've got a, I've got a pet peeve with them. <laughs> we'll do that. All right. We'll do that. All right, Kathy. Okay. Well, everybody, it was a great show tonight. Once again, Miss Kathy Presas is on the ballot. She's running for city commissioner for District 2, right? Mm -hmm. District and uh you know uh so as she mentioned early elections start on may 24th the actual election is on may 6th as we mentioned it's important for everybody to get the vote and uh to get to vote so that uh things can obviously improve for the better in the city of brownsville not only for yourself but your children and your grandchildren yeah so, Early voting April 24th through May 2nd. April alrighty. 24th, May 2nd, and May 6th is the day of the election. Alrighty, yeah. and just to let everybody know, we're still uh, up in the air with regards to the SpaceX launch. We don't know if it's going to happen on Monday or actually on 420th. So as soon as we know the official launch date and time, we will broadcast that that launch live here on Brownsville Tech Live. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you. you have a good evening. You too. Thank you. Bye. God bless.